keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Robert Karpolis. I'm here with Scotty Chaps. Scotty's got a fresh cut that I saw yesterday that when we were co-hosting the bonfire with Dan Soder, fun time. Thank you, Christine, and everybody blue, everybody at the bonfire. Robert, how are you doing today? Uh, it's a magical day here. We're, we're talking about the Heart Foundation. We're talking about dynamite. Love is in the air. Oh, it's wow. Valentine's Day. It Isn't is. that our no, theme? It is. Are you doing something with the wife for Valentine's Day? Uh yeah, we're going out for uh going out for dinner. It's what old married people do. You get like a babysitter, you get to leave the house for a few hours like you're on parole, and uh and you go for dinner and then just talk about hope nothing bad is happening at the house with the kids. <laughs> we were thinking about taking an edible and then going to Golden Corral in the parole. Oh, that's interesting. That's disgusting. Golden Corral. um i just you know go looking for gold yeah the only buffets in new york are either indian or or um the chinese ones and the chinese are hard to find this one's like an american buffet so you know you know dan uh you don't have to go to a buffet is that how you (laughs) pick food you you go like there's no troughs here Also, well, Dan, you don't have to explain what Golden Corral is to our audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, like happy you guys got married there. Um, I'm I'm or a fought hide and right there. Guy. I'm a very indecisive guy. So when I when I have uh, when I have many options like a like a pot roast and a fried chicken, a little bit of both, you know. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm getting way too overweight and I'm gonna get diabetes. So let's get some show business first. February schedule. We're doing the Howard Foundation. And next week, we've got the Elimination Chamber preview, which is shaping up to be an amazing pay-per-view out of nowhere. Um, It kind of reminds me of No Way Out 2001, a show that we'll be reviewing on Patreon uh, that comes out on Monday. And February 27th, we're going to be roasting Ahmed Johnson. February 28th, we get the roast of Mickey Rourke. February 27th, we're off. And then uh, we'll be uh, talking to you about um, inching towards WrestleMania and what we're doing Towards that, but thanks, Excalibur. You're welcome. You're uh, doing like the full on. I mean, you got the mask on and everything. It's, I've got it's the. Great. I'm, I'm always wearing a mask, brother. Uh, we're, we're, before we get to the uh, roast of the Heart Foundation, we've roasted Brett before. We've roasted Davy Boy Smith before. I think those are the only two members we've solo roasted on the show. We haven't roasted collectively the Heart Foundation yet. Um, and you know, just so Brett, I'm giving, I'm giving Brett his due. I am going to read all the kayfabe, kayfabe accomplishments of the Hart Foundation and the ones that mattered. Okay. Not, not like every single fucking, you know, barnyard they played before they got to WWF and WCW, but this is collectively. So this is, this is Owen, Davey Boy, Brett and Brian Pillman, these four together, two time WCW world heavyweight champion. 
four-time United States Heavyweight Champion, two-time WCW Tag Team Champion, five-time WWF Champion, WWE United States Champion, three-time European Champion, two-time Hardcore Champion, five-time Intercontinental Champion, six-time WWE Tag Team Champion, two-time King of the Ring, Royal Rumble winner, WCW Lightweight Champion, uh, a bunch of Calgary Stampede titles or Stampede Wrestling titles, sorry, um, numerous Hall of Fames, including the Observer and and uh, and the WWE Hall of Fame and Cauliflower Alley, and the New Heart Foundation uh, won the tag titles at MLW a couple times. Robert was a part of that. Um, my overall bright side of the Heart Foundation is it's it, it was a really great heel run for how short it was. I think we remember it being a lot longer than it was. But because of that year, 1997 in WWF, probably the most magical year in WWF creative, you know, maybe the most magical year in wrestling ever. Um, you know, we we romanticize it and we think it's this like span like sprawling time period. It's it's really not, you know, it's really from, you know, like God, man, like think about it. WrestleMania 13, Brett and Steve, and then WrestleMania 14. Brett's out. Steve's already in the main event. Heart Foundation's done. So, I mean, it's less than a year that this all happens. And for the most part, it's all really fucking good. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, as far as a complete run of a stable, I mean, I think the bloodline's a little better as far as like, if you look at the complete run, but you know, that, the that everything else, it's like NWO kind of falls apart. You know, DX, I, I would say that DX really didn't have a, they didn't really have an unsuccessful commercial period because, you know, but they had some artistic periods that people weren't like people didn't love. A lot of purists didn't love the reunion of Triple H and Michaels, you know, in 2008, 2009. And even though that did bring a lot of merch money, it's it's not heralded as one of the great stable runs. It's kind of it's kind of heralded as like, oh, the Rolling Stones are on, you know, tour for the hundredth time again. Um, but yeah, I mean, almost every other stable like NWO, um, I mean, it, they all kind of fall apart. Uh, the authority, that's a big one, you know, that like by the end of it, you're just like, what the fuck is this? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's a real positive as far as, uh, as far as what they've done. And I think that, you know, you're never going to see, I'm not going to say never, but you're, you're, it's going to be really hard until we find another wrestler who believes in wrestling as much as Brett. So that dynamic of, Hey, I'm a heel, but I'm only a heel in America. That only works if like you really believe it. And Brett really believed it. So it, it, it worked. It felt like a real, you know, like that whole 1997 was like the nation DX heart foundation, you know, to a much lesser extent, like, you know, Los Bariquas or DOA, like it did, there was a real there. And maybe it's just because it was like the Jerry Springer, Phil Donahue, like when they would like bring a bunch of black people and white supremacists and they would put them on together and they would all beat the shit out of each other. But there's something that I felt really real about this time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's my opinion on the Hart Foundation. I, I think they are one of the greatest staples ever. Um, I don't know if they're top five, but you can you can definitely make an argument. Scott, uh, what's your opinion of the Hart Foundation? Hmm. So, you know, I just have fake memories of the Great Heart Foundation, but mm -hmm. my real actual in real time memories are, 
you know, Natalia and uh, Tyson Kidd, right? That was his name, Tyson Kidd, right? Yep. Who's phenomenal. Um, Davy Jr., Harry Smith, who is so, uh, yeah, Harry Smith, phenomenal. And I guess he got hired by WWE during the pandemic, and then they got rid of him fairly quickly. He just feels like he I, never got a fair shake, man. That guy just feels like he never got a fair shake. Yeah, I'm a little confused as to what that is. You know, some people have personality traits, you know. Um, but we would have heard about it. Like, the only thing I heard about Davey is that he, like, beat up. I mean, Harry Smith is he beat up Jake. You know, everything else, I haven't heard one negative thing about him. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you carry the ghosts of your ancestors, so I would keep right. him far, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think he's I think he's unbelievable and a giant. But anyway, that that's my memories of, like, actual heart heart you know family but from the vhs's i bought and the dvds i bought and the youtube videos i've bought the heart foundation is one of the coolest groups i've ever seen looking back on as like a fan of wrestling and and falling in love with years that i didn't actually watch but i went back and watched they came off legit they were a blast i think they and i'm talking about you know pillman um anvil uh, Davy Boy, Brett, when they're feuding with the likes of Austin, like you're saying in '97, they let Brett be things he wasn't by himself, which was uh kind of funny. You know, he was funnier with them around, and they did come off more like buffoons, even though he acted so serious, because you did have guys like Pillman and Owen to play off of, and it was just like such an enjoyable family to to watch deal with what they were dealing with in, in the storylines. Uh, leather jackets are cool. That's always badass. They all looked awesome. They all had great hair, um, different bodies, different in-ring styles. I wish Pillman could have done more, but his foot, you know, his foot was hurt. Uh, before that, right in the eighties, you go as a tag team, like the foundation, you know, Brett and uh, Anvil. That's maybe top. That's definitely top 10 tag teams ever. Right. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. So th would, those two with five, Jimmy Hart, which we you know, uh, top ten for sure. Yeah. So just every incarnation of of Brett and what he's done in his history of wrestling um, deserves some sort of like major props, and the Hart Foundation is a piece of that. And you know, each guy in it deserves to be in a Hall of Fame, or just yeah. you know, deserves to live on in us talking about them and watching their matches and shit. Well, I think, too, piggybacking on what you're saying about, like, the Hart Foundation, you know, when, like, WWE, when Vince brought in all the stars of the territories in the 80s, you know, there was a tendency to either, you know, besides Hogan and Savage, for the most part, he made a lot of these guys less than, and, you know, like, hey, let's put polka dots on Dusty, let's, you know, I mean, wh whatever, you know, like, pick pick your wrestler, you know, Valentine's not the top heel anymore. But, like, with them, they kind of were able to still do, you know, them and the British Bulldogs were kind of able to still do the stuff they did in Japan and and Calgary in WBF, partially because they weren't on top. They were in that tag division. But, like, you know, it's so interesting because it's like, you know, like, like Scott, if you and me are, like, fantasy booking greatest tag teams of all time or whatever, and we look at the hottest tag teams from every period, if you book, like, you know, FTR versus the New Age Outlaws, you're kind of like, eh, all right. I mean, I guess. But if you do FTR versus Heart Foundation and they came 10 years earlier, you're like, yes, that's a fucking match. So there is something really timeless, I think, about those two, which is 
which is pretty cool. Like, I, I don't know if it's Vin, Vince was kind of let, letting those guys on a, on a on, in a roster that no one gave a fuck about work rate. He kind of let those guys, you know, do the work rate stuff, you know, the I mean, fart foundation and the rockers and the, the bulldogs anyway. Um, Robert, uh, the man who gave Bret Hart his first Connecticut pastrami sandwich. Uh, a couple of accomplishments you 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 didn't mention. Uh, comeback of the year, inspirational wrestler of the year, rookie of the year, number two for PWI, WCW World Heavyweight Champion, US Champion, World Tag Team Champion. But enough about Bill Goldberg. We're going <laughs> to talk about the Hart Foundation. Um, look, the the Hart Foundation in every iteration that they had was was awesome. The the tag division in the eighties when Vince didn't care about it and it was just filler. But the matches the Hearts had with the Bulldogs, with the Killer Bees, with the Rockers, with Demolition were a blast. And the advantage they had was Vince wasn't really paying a lot of attention to it. And guys like Hogan didn't want to have to work very long. So it's let those guys go out there and kill themselves. It's kind of the, you know, the way Tony Khan books AEW a lot now where you can get a lot of mileage out of great tag teams and just have them fill up time on your show. Uh the, the Neidhart uh, Brett kind of dichotomy of like the big strong guy and the tactician always works well as a tag team. And when they brought back that larger Hart Foundation stable in, in 97, I mean, that was the re the reunion story between Brett and Owen after the feud that they had was absolutely fantastic. And the long term storytelling you were able to capitalize on with their their you know obviously it's it's a family with all this history but all their storyline history it feels in some ways like what you're seeing now with with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens where you're building on hey these guys have a very long history that exists within continuity of WWE we can tell this and we can tell this story to to do the the Brett and Sean stuff and be able to get some of those matches and elevate DX, elevate Steve Austin and fill the show at a point in time where they were getting killed in the ratings by Nitro. Like some of the best raw periods were losing to Disco Inferno versus, you know, Hooventude or something like that. So there was definitely frustration on the part of the hearts because I think creatively they were doing some of their best work. Uh, when I was in MLW, yes, we we reunited the the Hart Foundation with Teddy and with Harry and Brian Pillman Jr. Had a blast filming those. I think I told the story before where they almost got us killed. Uh, it's somewhere in the archives. You can go back and listen to it. But, you know, and Harry is a guy who really should have gotten a, a better chance. Strongest handshake. Him and Danny Hodge, the only two people were like, you got the handshake. And you're like, oh, I get why there's the whole, like, some of these guys can absolutely break every hand and every bone in your uh, in your hand. Uh, really talented dude who I, I was shocked didn't get a, a better shot. Not like it, no bad rep, right? As far no. as like, and yeah. was always very professional, very nice guy, uh, easy to do business with. It was unfortunate that Tyson Kidd's you know in ring career came to an end because of that Samoa Joe botch, which was an accident, like a total fluke. Uh, it's great that he's flourishing backstage at WWE still as a producer and is able to contribute. And, you know, I think Natalia is doing a, a nice job, not only just in ring, but preserving like the family legacy and her dad's legacy because Anvil gets forgotten a lot. Uh, he could have been the, the Genetti of the, uh, of the group, but he on his own was a, a talented wrestler and was a reliable big man. And, 
they they bucked that trend that a lot of tag teams had where it's like one guy's really an anchor kind of dragging down that duo they complemented each other well and and they liked each other and the incestuous nature of the Hart family kept them all together and most importantly and the last thing I'll say is that uh Canadian Stampede main event from the in your house the 10 man oh, tag man. is one of the most fun wrestling matches you will ever see the crowd is off the charts insane for it they're super over it's a blast it really is uh it really is an awesome main event scott's and, gonna realize he's on mute by the way eventually he's been talking i, and- I think neidhart now neidhart um you know him like stroking the goatee and doing all that kind of shit it, it like helped brett just kind of be normal you know like it's like all right well he's still got this kind of crazy thing to look at which is jim Anvil neidhart um, but yeah, man, I mean, you know, I think that they're gonna, you know, it sucks with Harry, you know, I would actually put Harry like in the category of one of Teddy's victims, <laughs> you know, like it's like, it's kind of unfortunate. He made him disappear like the girls, <laughs> you know, cause I don't think he's had really the, you know, the drug and alcohol problem. A lot of people in that, you know, like I don't have any jokes about him. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's one of these things where it just seems like if anybody got the short end of the stick. It's fucking that dude. Oh, and uh, top t- uh, top five fucking yeah. Owen or something, you know. Like, also, uh, top ten all ten uh, all time theme song. Oh yeah, I mean all of them. With the heart, Brett's Owens. Well, yeah. Brett's was the uh, the it was the Heart Foundation theme. Then it was Brett's theme. It was just it, like you just you know that music. Uh, yeah. And Owens, yeah, it was underrated. It was a good theme song. I loved on Owens. Man. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. All right, guys, it's roast the fucks. Robbie, you want to go first? Who? Actually, uh, you go first. I have a good first joke for, I think, this. So okay, here we go. go the roast of the Heart Foundation, oh, okay. or the we ran out of shit, so we're back on Brett roast. Um, <laughs> Brett Hart recently opened a bar. When you order a whiskey sour, you got a, you get a shot of Jack, and Brett tells you Goldberg fucked him. <laughs> Uh, I thought the Heart Foundation referred to the team of scientists studying Davies. Jim the Anvil Neidhart looks like a golem that protects the gay bears of Providence, Rhode Island. (laughs) You could tell which members of the stable were healthy by how much they looked like the guy at the end of Big Trouble in Little China. (laughs) Not to be confused with Slight Trouble in Big China, that's when X-Pac lost his prayer bracelet in Joni's pussy. Oh, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> what? That's uh, pretty funny. It's just I fucked it up. Okay. They feuded with DX when Sean said suck it and Neidhart said, if you help me find mine first. Uh, <laughs> Brett debuted the AEW title so he could say he's the best guy to ever hold it. Uh, Brett sponsors a team called the Calgary Hitman, inspired by the last days of Dino Bravo. Uh, Brett watched Hulk Hogan win the main event of WrestleMania 9 from ringside. It's the best view you'll get of Terry fucking something you love that's not Bubba the Love Sponge's closet. <laughs> a uh, lucky kid would get to wear Brett's sunglasses while an unlucky kid would get to be Brett's son. <laughs> the uh, New Heart Foundation carried on their legacy in MLW. Brett saw this and said, not as hard as Carrie and Davey at Wembley. Brian Pillman Jr. Word of advice from a guy who's fat you. You can come back from Pillmanizing an ankle, but not a liver. 
Uh, Rhett was nervous WWE would make a video burying him. But, you know, when it comes to WWE burying hearts, that's getting off easy. hey American tragedy, folks. Uh, they bounced between WCW and WWE so much that people thought they were Somas. <laughs> and uh, fi- finally, in, in, in his jacket, Brett looks like a gay dog, the bounty hunter. Like he's trying to bring down the guy who shot Lady Gaga's dog walker. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my Heart Foundation jokes. Robert? All right. The Roast of the Heart Foundation. Stu Hart trained all of his sons in his dungeon basement, or at least that's what he told the cops when the boys came home from school with bruises. I had them in the basement uh, wrestling. Uh, The Hart Foundation were a balanced tag team. Bret Hart was the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, and Jim Neidhart had a goatee. Jim Neidhart was nicknamed the Anvil because he used to smash ugly girls who looked like coyotes. (laughs) that's great the new heart foundation consisted of harry smith brian pillman jr and teddy hart proof that talent is not genetic (laughs) the heart foundation were part of the legendary canadian stampede pay-per-view main event which saw owen hart not only beat steve austin but managed to do it without breaking his neck (laughs) in 1997 the heart foundation became anti-american Almost 20 years before the rest of the world caught up. (laughs) This is my Scott joke, and I'm fucking proud of it. I don't care how stupid it is. The Hart Foundation feuded with the Killer Bees. To this day, Brett can't eat Honey Nut Cheerios. (laughs) The Hart Foundation aligned with crooked referee Danny Davis. Imagine that. An evil referee you can't trust who might screw you? Crazy. The hearts were very competitive with the British Bulldogs. In ring, they would go hold for hold, and over time, Brett and Dynamite Kid would vie to be the most miserable fucking human being on the planet. (laughs) Uh, Real quick, get well, Jerry Lawler. Uh, Helen Hart is so old that she has a life vest from Noah's Ark. (laughs) Helen Hart is so old, her social security number is one. Helen Hunt, I said Helen Hunt, Helen Hart... Helen Hart is so old that she's dead. She's she's dead. She's fucking dead. Uh, the Hart Foundation disbanded after WrestleMania 7. Brett captured the WWE Championship while Jim captured one-third of the U.S.'s cocaine in his nostrils. <laughs> Jim Neidhart is the father of Natalia Neidhart, who you might remember from the phrase, oh yeah, Natalia Neidhart still works here. <laughs> You can't talk about the Hart Foundation without talking about Keith, Bruce, and Smith Hart. Oh, wait, I misread that. You absolutely can. They're fucking useless. (laughs) Stu and Helen Hart had 12 children, mainly because there's nothing else to do in Calgary to stay warm. Sadly, the Hart suffered a number of tragedies over the years. Legend has it the Hart house is built on an ancient Indian burial ground, but it just turns out the bodies were Italian guys at headdresses. Uh, and finally, the Heart Foundation's finishing move was the heart attack, while strokes have been the most effective way to finish off the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, Scott. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, after murdering his wife and son, Chris Benoit eventually hung himself on a bow flex. 
but only after an entire night of wandering the woods looking for a heart family tree. (laughs) Imagine he's like really going through it, wandering the woods, looking for, imagine that. All right, anyway. And he just like the a dip- stew turns into a tree. <laughs> yeah. Oh, stew, by the way, is is just the trees from uh the Wizard of Oz. That, that's his voice <laughs> and everything. It's like, did you take an apple? And then he starts. That's that's the Hart family tree. Anyway, uh the difference between the Hart Foundation and the Owen Hart Foundation is AEW never explained what the Owen Hart Foundation was. Uh, up until just before color television hearts got buried in the backyard next to pet rabbits Uh, Jim the anvil they call him the anvil because that's how he described to doctors the tightness in his chest (laughs) it feels like an anvil Uh, anvil named his daughter natty so he could say he picked her up when she was a kid (laughs) Picked up Nan and Natty. I don't know. Uh, by the time Teddy joined the Heart Foundation, uh, they went from a stable to unstable. There you go. Take that. Um, when Brett misses a loved one, it's because they're deceased. When Teddy misses a loved one, it's because they ducked his gunshots. <laughs> <laughs> oh, joke of the roast. Always oh, Teddy. Uh. The OG Heart Foundation feuded with the Killer Bees. To Anvil, the Killer Bees were Barbecue and Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> to Brett, the Killer Bees were Bischoff and that botching bastard Bill Goldberg. <laughs> uh, and finally, imagine being a member of the Hearts and you die from your heart exploding. That would be like being a member of a group called the Dicks and then coming to death. <laughs> Wouldn't it be just like that? <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> like you had two bangers and then just completely destroyed it. Not the yeah, banger. That's, that's also coming uh, to death. I, uh, that's, I just that's read also, it. Yeah. That's also our dynamite. That's also our. I'm going to get this out one more time. That's also our dynamite review. Two bangers and they just wasted. Oh, brother! Yeah. Well, we'll get I, I, I think it's a tale of two shows, but we'll get to that. Before that, let's stay on Heart Foundation for a second. Um, well, are we doing like a 10-bell salute or something? Did another <laughs> one die? My question, Scott, do you think that if Stu raised kids like the way he raised it today, he would be reported to CPS? I think, you know how they found all those like indigenous people bodies buried under that school in Canada? Yeah, I yeah. think when it goes to court, they're going to bring up Stu Hart's dungeon and they're going to go, well, stuff like that happened there. And you guys worship this family. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's a possibility. I think it's a very demented cause it's fake fighting. And so to be like, you're that hard, but it's fake. It's like some really insane type of twisted it's boot camp, clown school, you know, it's frightening. It is very frightening. I, I'm going to give my prop. I'm going to give some props to Helen though. Helen on the sideline, like Hunt, Helen Hunt, <laughs> like no, Robert Helen, mentioned before. When she, <laughs> when she was cut to the crowd, she looked so distraught, like she was so real about it, like especially when, like when Jerry Lawler would go after her and stuff like that. And I think like part of the reason that she thought it was real is because she didn't know what was real and what was fake. Like she was just lit. She grew up in a wrestling house. She was just like, oh, this is just how upset I am all the time. This is just. Every time, and I'm trying to like 
make dinner and then I hear some young kids screaming in the basement. It was yeah, but I think I think she knew it was a work because one, she was an adult woman and ran from Jerry Lawler. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's no. Uh... I I think I think Stu just let her know like when we're here, it's real, and so it was real because if it was if she didn't act like it was real there, it got real at home. You feel me? <laughs> Oh my God. That's what I think happened. Like, you know, they always have the story when they're talking about Jerry Sandusky about like, did Dottie Sandusky hear the kids, you know? And like, oh it gosh. just must have been really funny to like see like how Helen like just kind of tuned out all the kids just screaming in the basement the whole time. Like, yeah. this is our darkest episode. I mean, it has to be. <laughs> Even just roasting the hearts becomes a dark side. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Like her just, I mean, I don't know what she did. She sang to herself or who the fuck knows, man. I don't think she knows what songs are. I don't think they got to sing there. That's <laughs> true. That's but, something like even like Stu like looked at like, you know, you, you know, you're like trying to like get people in shape. You know, you like look back at things. You're like, okay, slavery. They let them sing. Well, maybe that's why it eventually ended. So we won't <laughs> let them sing. We're not going to let the kids yeah. sing, you know, Probably like, no spirituals in the fucking heart. Yeah. Out. None of that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Owen's oh, X did a nice job though. She got those kids out of wrestling. Yeah. It's beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, those kids are like, I mean, when they had a uh, Owen's son that was interviewed at that dark side, you're just like this guy, you would never think he was a member of the Hart family. Cause he's like talking about wrestling. Like it's like, you know, it's just a thing rather than, the only thing, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, really think about the the foundation, right? I mean, Natty Nightheart, I don't know her. I still I'm happy to see her wrestle, honestly, because I think she's a good wrestler and she's been from Jump Street. Remember that like giant chunk of time where Natty was the only good female wrestler on the roster? It felt like forever. She, she kind of reminds me of like Fit Finley now, you know, sure, sure. Kinda like, oh, yeah, I'll see this. It'll be fine. Yeah. You no, know, like I know this person's not gonna win the title, but yeah, it'll be- but it'll be fun. Um obviously, you know, if you want to throw Tyson Kidd in there, right? That's again, that's his name. Okay, sorry. As people changed, wanted yeah. to say TJ for some reason. His real his name is TJ uh, Wilson, that's why. Okay, okay, okay. Um he was great. Um again, Harry Smith is great, and everyone in the foundation, like absolute icons. Brian Pillman is one of my favorites ever. Um, Owen is one of my favorites ever. Brett is one of my favorites ever. And I love Jim for exactly what his role was. He did it. Like, this is an awesome, awesome group. And Bulldog, I loved as a kid, you know, crazy about Bulldog, probably more than any of them when I was younger. So yeah, all time group. But oh wait, we roasted them already, right? Yeah, we've already we've yeah, already yeah, ripped them yeah. apart. But we okay, do have okay. a run in. Um some well, run's a strong word. <laughs> we do have a rascal in ladies and gentlemen mike lawrence is here you know um i uh was really upset that you decided to uh talk about me with other people you know but uh thankfully you did uh, the bret hart episode first so i guess it's okay um you know um i know that i'm better than them because i'm alive and they're not <laughs> that's actually the uh first uh voiceover radio ad for brett's bar 
So <laughs> does Brett have a bar? That's, that's he's got a bar now. It's it that's his our advertiser for 10 cent wing night. It's just yeah, that. Mike. We talked about this bar. We were texting. Oh, yeah, right? oh, yeah, when, he, when he throws Remember you I out, said some like, kid is from Winnipeg or wherever the hell they're from is like Bart Simpson calling him and he's answering like Mo. <laughs> I, I Mike, I did do the joke of when you go to Brett's bar and order a whiskey sour, you get a shot of Jack, and Brett tells you Goldberg fucked him. <laughs> Yeah, don't order Manischewitz at Brett's bar. <laughs> I I met Brett's bar like when he throws you out. He's like, you don't have to go home, but I I guess you could stay here. Yeah, you yeah. ask for a shot. He's like, at the title, you don't deserve it, and here's why. <laughs> and then you're always screwed on your check. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Um, Mike, before we go into dynamite, do you have any uh, Heart Foundation jokes? No, no, I don't. Um, Anything I don't... to say about them? All every every iteration of the mic. We're we're speaking on all of them. Teddy, Teddy included, wherever he may be. I mean, to me, the classic is the tag team, the the Brett, Jim, and and Jimmy. Even you know, like like when I was a kid, I thought Jimmy was one of the hearts because he was with the Heart Foundation. <laughs> Um, and do you imagine you go back and forth between managing Brett then to like planning Hogan's travel? You get like the worst, you get the God. worst aspect of the business if you're Jimmy Hart. And every yeah, what a, the what guys a you fucking... take it too seriously, you're good. The guys who are just megalomaniacs like Hogan, it's crazy. What a happy piece of Maloney and a sad diva sandwich. Fucking yeah, it's it's. Well, but yeah, I I think that um, no, they were they were amazing. Um, Jim, you know, Jim is like, like, you know, you know, I always mentioned like the Genetti thing of like, I think that's overused sometimes. Jim was the perfect tag team guy. Like yeah. it never worked on his own, but them together as a package, you know, like he had the personality that Brett didn't, <laughs> you know, the laugh and everything. Like, I mean, does do we all remember Brett wore the sunglasses because that's how bad at promos he was? Because <laughs> that's why he wore the sunglasses. I imagine. I mean, it's uh, he definitely got better. I mean, he was a really I thought Brett was a great heel promo. He just wasn't yeah. that a baby face promo and he wasn't. That and great. then and then, I mean, the 97 version is awesome for what it is. I mean, I think Canadian Stampede is one of the best. Talk about that moments ever uh it is it is the peak of enjoy this <laughs> match because nothing like this will ever happen again i mean pillman's dead what in three months yeah no this that that moment got replaced by the finish of wrestlemania 20 of like what a great feel-good moment you really can't go back and watch the same <laughs> i will yeah. say i think this elimination chamber is going to be in some ways hotter than wrestlemania like the yes crowd. until we find out sammy zane is like human trafficking kids or something like yeah, that yeah yeah but like but and, and we're and, 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 and robert we're like the saudi government was right <laughs> the, the main event's going to be crazy the women's elimination chamber match actually has stakes and this is like the first time i don't think it's the first time edge has been in montreal but it seems like every time he comes back to like a place they're not usually at, it he's just like new. He's like Road Warrior pops, you know. Don't forget, you're also getting Lashley and uh, Brock. Yeah, although I don't it's think he's going to be as excited. What it's Owens match still be a do we fun get? Because Owens has to fight, right? No, I don't think Owens fights. 
I don't think. Oh, I don't think. I don't. I wouldn't. Why have just to not take that pop from Sammy? That hometown yeah. pop. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I, I think you you save him for a the run guy in, who's going to save them at the end. Yeah. I love but, it. I love and it. And they're also Pretty doing fun. the 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 Lita match. Like this is going to be a a really stacked show. Yeah, I'm pumped. When is it? 18th. 18th, like next weekend. Awesome. Yeah, they're rushing the fuck out of it, but it also the 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 card's pretty good, and I mean, all built really know. well. It's you know we'll this, talk about that promo in high spot. Yes. So this, this oh God, first, yeah. I mean, I want to I I, I want to say before we get into dynamite, I think this is the first time in fucking years that Raw was better than Dynamite this week, which is kind of crazy. oh i only saw the promo so i can't speak on that at all that okay. promo was magic but raw, raw, raw top main to event, bottom was a very strong very show. Good. there's some there's some forgettable matches for sure but i think just by not having their own version of a katie vick angle they won this week oh my god i i mean what the if you, yeah let's talk about dude, that let's get into it kill the greatest promo in wrestling with with one fucking promo um but we'll we'll, we'll talk about it uh, for me, this was a, t- a tale of two shows between hour one and hour two. Um, hour one, uh, Takeshita versus MJF in a championship contenders match. The Bunny versus Jamie Hayter in a... Was this for the strap or was this a contender? This was for the women's... No, they, they they don't have those kinds of stakes. Okay. No, no, this was. It was an eliminator. Oh, this was an eliminator? I don't... Yeah, yeah. God there forbid was- you really have to earn a shot at the... Uh, oh, yeah, that lady still is the title champion. Wait, you're a- telling me we're not going to see the bunny wrestle hater again? But fuck! <laughs> this is <laughs> Mike just leaves the show. This is finally what makes Mike leave. Good day, show. sir. After, after Mike, after Mike has quit the show thirty times, this is the final one. Um, I'm a part timer. I'm, I, I'm wearing my Brock Lesnar uh, hat with the feather in it that was, uh, you know, made out of Sable's pubes. It was actually. A fantastic Brock. We'll talk about that high spot, but it's a really good Brock promo. Oh, Brock is so he's very Here's funny. The thing about Brock promos, you just don't like with Brock promos. You don't talk to him like Jake the Snake or MJF or Austin. You're just like, hey, why don't you talk about your farm and eating stuff? And, and fucking. Like, oh, all right, I'll do it, and then it works. Yes. Yeah, and he always brings up fucking. Yeah, he brings up fucking his wife. It's all about fucking his wife and hunting people. That's every single one of his promos. And it's cool. You know what's amazing? Like, in the same week that, like, Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, dating a 19-year-old, you have, like, Brock with a woman a little bit older than him, and it's, like, kind of nice. Yeah. uh, And guess what? I'm way more scared for the woman that's older. (laughs) Well, he was young when she started talking to him, right? Say, I mean, Brock was how old when he showed up? He was, was, like, mid-late 20s, and she was mid-30s. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was like 21 and she was. No, he's a little older than that. I mean, I know the story is Mark Marrow and Sable never had a divorce conversation because Sable was being like sketchy. And then Mark found out that Brock was fucking her and he just goes, all right. And that's when I realized as a Christian, you have to embrace forgiveness. <laughs> oh, <sure>. I'll <laughs> allow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was just kind of like, and I never talked to her again. Um. <laughs> But our, our okay, so our one. He's like Johnny, be safe. Yeah, that's when God found him. Like he didn't mm-hmm. even have to find God. God just ran to Mark Marrow. Uh, fi- finishing up the hour, we have a Ricky Starks Jericho gauntlet, an acclaimed promo. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no
Daniel, you 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 skipped the moment where this show went off a cliff and then slammed into a tree. An MJF promo. Oh, 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 okay. We're just saying it and just all right, cool. Oh, no, you guys I'm are so wrong. The first hour and then I'm gonna ask everybody. About all right, fine, fine, fine. Jesus. Sorry, Jesus, Dan. MJF promo. Ricky Starks, Jer- uh, the Ricky Starks gauntlet, an acclaimed promo, and then a match which could have been good, could have been bad, but I just didn't watch because. I think that's the problem. I just don't care about this running through gauntlet stuff anymore. And that's Roosh versus Brian Danielson. You guys are going to have to tell me whether it was good or not. Um, Robert, you're chomping at the bit. What did you think of this first hour? Uh, Shame on us for asking Tony Khan to give storylines. He should just stick to matches and that's it. Uh, MJF and Takeshita was a very solid match. I think the announcers did a good job of making it seem important max did a lot of interesting moves you don't normally see him do as kind of a hey i can actually wrestle which was which was interesting the crowd was really into it uh this felt like what you do when you have a an established heel champion and an up-and-coming baby face that you want to give like the flare rub to where you almost think he's going to do it and then he loses and it's okay um the bunny and jamie hater was the best women's match I've seen all night on Dynamite. So, so there's that. Uh, Tony, Tony Storm and Soraya spray painting Leva Bates with the L. I, I, it's very TNA that what they're doing. Uh, the the uh, I don't know. I thought they were actually uh, you know modestly dressed. That sorry, yeah, that is true. Well, uh, Tony knows Dad might be watching. The and he doesn't want to lose allowance. Tony, the only time Tony shows skin. Is when it's B-roll of uh, so- Sunny Kiss twerking during Diversity Month. Otherwise, <laughs> you know he's very nice. Which, which reminds me, it's February. Where is Sunny Kiss? This is the once a year where Tony puts him on TV, and he's not. Hey, hey, hey! They had the acclaimed lose. They're celebrating Black History. Sorry, yeah, and they, 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 no, they also had top flight lose. Month. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, there the MJF promo. Then uh, Ricky Starks had a. Uh, well, let's uh, talk about the MJF promo, right? Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know. Was there anything memorable? About it. It let's was talk about the that... first MJF promo Robert isn't going to help take credit for. So I, it was... I, I will say this is the first true MJF bomb that I've seen. Wait, and... wait, 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 wait. So what is this exactly? Is this is this you're scrolling through Twitter, Twitter as you're watching it? Because I watched it with Kalise. We loved the hell out of this promo. I was excited really? to talk to you guys about this because I thought you would love it. This was a blast. This was MJF to a T. I mean, I thought both his promos tonight were fantastic. He was on fire all night. Uh, I thought we he were in love with it. it. In love with so it. Silly. I didn't like the the fact that his his uh, dressing room had a printer in it. That was very confusing. <laughs> he does not seem like the kind of guy that would use a a, a printer. Uh, no, it was That's a definitely QT's dressing room. It, look, what makes the promo interesting is Max today posted on Twitter a picture of him in front of his Camaro, where like for, like from high school to be like, look, this really happened. People are comparing it to like Katie Vick kind of stuff. Like, no, he's like he's clearly just being a dick. Um, it's it felt a little weird, cheap heat. It wasn't necessary for this story in any way shape or form like it's not it's just not needed i get that you're trying to be like i'm going to tell the story about how this girl was blowing me while we were driving in the car and then i made it seem like uh you know she was the one that got in the accident not me like 
you're not supposed to believe that it's a true story, but he's telling it like his character's true story. It's just a lot of layers and levels that are really unnecessary when there's such an easier, straightforward Max story to tell. I don't think it it helped in any way. I think he delivered it just fine, and he's entertaining when he's doing it. But what did it help? Were you supposed to watch this and think this is a true story of the character, or this is a dude that's just making shit up to be a dick? Either way, it's not needed. Here's why, if it, in in my opinion, why it was needed, because he, people do still cheer for him. Um, we got let's go Maxwell. Maxwell sucks chance right in his match, which I thought the match did exactly what it was supposed to do. First off, he had like Osprey moments in it. He was, you know, these moments of like, holy shit, he is unbelievable in the ring. Um, and it did its job because it made you want to see this guy go 60 minutes with Danielson. And it made everybody there and everybody watching. I hope that's what it did. I mean, that's what it did for me. It made me want to see him go 60 minutes because he's damn good. And we haven't seen him go. Uh, nearly that close. Um, but then the promo for me, the reason it worked is because he has been pulling at our heartstrings, every promo revealing like, I mean, how, how often is he, is he bringing up that he's Jewish and tugging at the heartstrings of like, when I was in school, this happened. So you're listening to these stories, you know, for a, over a year now where he brings up high school and some sad thing happens and, and you're you're rooting for him and you go, oh, my God, I'm sucked in again. I forget that he did have it so hard. And then it's no, I'm a motherfucker and I do what I need to do no matter what. And that's what you're getting, uh, you know, come uh, come revolution. I thought it was unbelievable. I loved it so much. All right. Well, Mike, you're the deciding vote. What oh, you- where oh, where can my baby be? 100 oh, percent had that song stuck in my oh, head. Oh, yeah, dude. It was like if that too. song had like uh you know, just someone just ripped the needle from that song and started playing heavy metal. It was hilarious. Somewhere, somewhere Raven is crying that he it was didn't so do funny. This. I was sucked in and then got crushed. And the blowjob thing, you go, Jesus, you can do that on TV. It was all just ballsy and like in your face. I thought it was awesome. It was more shaft than balls. <laughs> I mean, and, and and trust me, Tony was like, Jesus, you could do that in a car? <laughs> well, yeah, Tony he only knows like, in a helicopter. Tony's like, Jesus, you could do that? <laughs> uh, uh, Mike, what did you uh, what did you think of the promo? <laughs> um, I you know, I agree with Scott that like it was well delivered and and but and, and and that the whole the whole thing of like i get why he did it i thought it was bad i thought it was bad because you know i love i love mjf and i i actually thought they did a reverse adam page here where they you know they never used adam page enough when he was champion and i feel like they overused mjf tonight like i feel like the match you, you you had you had the opening match, then you had him come out during the Roosh thing, then you had this. It just felt like diminishing returns, honestly, and that sucks because this is my guy and I love him. But yeah, I the sympathy stuff, the emotional stuff, like you know, it all made sense with Punk and why he said what he said and why he did what he did, and then and then the turn meant something yeah to robert's point i don't i just didn't get why this is here you know i mean and and brian can't even relate to it uh because he's married to abella and they have you know um 
built-in crash pads that they 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 bought you know <laughs> so, hey, not, not brie oh not brie. Okay. also mike it's very hard to do a blowjob on a bicycle because they won't use vehicles <laughs> <laughs> brian it's like oh i had, i had too much kombucha when i was leaving the vitamin store and i but yeah this it was just a mess like i i get i get the point of like it's also if the whole thing is like hey boomy i'm a piece of shit then do it in the ring but it just—I don't know, man. It, it just felt unnecessary, and and it kind of it kind of reminded me of the Eddie Kingston and his fake wife stuff. No, oh, that totally did for me. Yeah, you know, and it's just like these are two characters that 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 I adore, and you know, they don't need to go here. Lesser wrestlers do who can't do anything else to get your attention or your emotion, but these guys, I, I and I think. It's hard not to bring up the Cody and Heyman stuff because the authenticity of that this week and 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 how that made you fucking excited for a match that's you know almost eight weeks away on one promo between these guys versus this that just made me care less, you know. And they, very weird situation when it really is a it it is it is indicative of a failure of creative on AEW where. We're more excited about a Roman Cody match than we are an MJF Brian Danielson match. Yeah, I think they're just overthinking things. They're overdoing things, you know. Um, but, but wait, wait, wait. Look, I do think AEW is failing. Um, in ev- I mean, every storyline, right? What storyline are they really knocking out of the I park? Especially- I, I think there's things to like about the acclaimed stuff, but no, that no, no. Of course, Joker's I mean, Jericho feud is off the chart. Oh my gosh, my gosh, but. You know, I think, you know, to go like, oh, AEW's, how could we be excited, you know, more excited for a Cody Roman match? It's like, because that's written in their genetics. It's like, that's literally a storyline that's crazy. Any of us can make that storyline believable to anybody. Um, This is different. This has not been very good. But the last few weeks I've gotten hyped and I'm I'm genuinely... I. You you think he just went too far? You thought it was too like tacky? I just you know you know, you know my, I ate up problem. everything he did tonight. I thought he was like on an Austin roll, where and look most you know not most there was a lot of things on this show that I was like yikes, um, but nothing that involved MJF. I just thought he was so on fire that I was yeah, I was thrilled for him to be getting that many. But 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 Scott, I usually see him as like Austin in '97, and. This uh, all of this felt like Austin in two thousand one after the heel turn. I mean, this mm. felt. Like, I mean, honestly, this felt like Triple H two thousand three to me. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I mean the Katie Vick comparisons, but it, it's it's. I think it's yeah, not. But that no I one want... said she died. She didn't die. She got in trouble. It's, but it's also it's not that it went too far. It's just that it's it's just too much. It's unnecessary. Like. This started from a real place of him attacking Regal, right? Yeah. And that that is a that tangible reason. Yeah, but that also didn't work for a variety. We forget how snake bit that whole fucking thing was. No, I and I get that because Regal's not there, but it still made sense for Brian to defend his boy. It's just, and now they're adding Takeshita. It's they're trying to do too many things. It's what, the same so problem. Is... With, oh, let me just finish. The same problem yeah. with this feud. It's the same problem with the last few Marvel movies where now they have to also introduce characters into TV shows and they have to carry on all these things. Like you, you watch Wakanda forever and 
if they were just going to make a movie to say goodbye to Chadwick Boseman, like that part of it works. And then you introduce Namor and that part of it works. Everything else just adds, makes it feel bloated and unnecessary. And I think that's what they're doing with this story. I, you know, I, I, this is the only thing I'll say about it is I think that we're underestimating just how bad the Katie Vick storyline was, because when you bring up a girl in high school and a car wreck, every single wrestling minds go to that. And we're not even able to really even concentrate on what the promo about we're, we're, we're thinking to ourselves, Oh my God, this was one of the worst angles in wrestling history. And why are they bringing it back? Like, I, I think it's just, I think you really have got to just stay away with girls in car wrecks. In I didn't wrestling. think of Katie Vick once. Um, I thought of the Sopranos. Well, I don't want to spoil Sopranos, but. um. Oh, I love, I love that episode of Sopranos. Yeah, but. Uh, Fantastic. I don't know. I think this is a case of too many people looking at their phones and three people, have you know, going, this must be the energy I must feel about this. Instead yeah, of uh, sitting with on... your lady and laughing at how funny MJF was being. No, it didn't go on my phone for I, – I've seen what the internet reaction to this thing is. What I think is just so strange is you before are this – Yes. But, but also, uh... Scott, Scott, your relationship has not lasted as long as me and Roberts where our women are completely done with wrestling. <laughs> yes like rachel loves max and if i showed this to her she'd be like what the f like what the fuck is this uh either way what's so weird is before this feud even started he was on sam roberts podcast and he was talking about brian and basically built on that one podcast the entire feud which is brian danielson hey you know good wrestler good good guy in the ring not a guy that can carry a company not you know, not not a, a dynamic personality, not a guy you can put the, um, the the you know put the company on his back and say this is our guy. He's good in the ring, and what people don't realize is I'm better than him in the ring, and I'm also more entertaining than him, and I'm more bankable than him, and I'm a better overall talent. That's the feud. It's so easy, and the WWE always fucked this up, where they would just constantly overload stuff and overload stuff to the point where it was unwatchable and they've and they would ruin a storyline this is a fairly straightforward like i'm a better wrestler than you i'm a better everything than you and okay i'm gonna make you jump through these hoops because it's just how tony khan books uh and and we're gonna get fun matches out of it you don't need all the extra stuff no but this uh, isn't this isn't as I, I think people miss the point of it this wasn't even a promo about a girl who got in a car accident with him and he switched sides. This is about what he's willing to do. Like, you can even look at it as a fucking metaphor. Like, I think that's very weird to be like, it went in a weird direction. Like, no, he's still letting him know. I just had a banger of a match and whooped that, whooped that fucking dude's ass. Okay, but, but Scott, better than, that point. better than, than Danielson did. And he's also saying, I, I'm willing to do the crazy shit that your bitch ass is probably not willing to do. Right, which, and that crazy shit, by the way, was locking the door that Brian was in. Like, he, it wasn't like he, was he's like, shit. I'm going to rate, but no, it wasn't like I'm raising the game and the fucked up stuff I'm going to do, and I'm going to, like, you know, lock him in the room and then light it it's on fire. It's in the fire, match, like it's in insane. the match. That's what he's going to do in the match. Oh, it's going to be great. Anyway, uh, Ricky Starks uh, had the uh, the Jericho gauntlet or the Garcia whatever gauntlet. He Ooh, beat Mike Lawrence's two favorite wrestlers, two point oh, uh, and rough, then, then yeah, yeah, then wrestled Danny Garcia, and but then was attacked by a guy in a mask uh, who turned out to be Chris Jericho, and uh, now 
darn it, we're not going to see Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho ever. We're never going to see Ricky Starks beat Chris Jericho on, on AEW TV. We've been to, oh, wait, no, it already happened. Uh, and then uh, the acclaimed in Gun Club, uh, Billy Gunn promo to set up their thing was fine. And then Danielson Roosh was kind of more hour two than hour one. And it was it was an okay match elevated by the fact that Brian got busted open and was just fucking bleeding, like bled onto the camera, which was cool looking. But the match was Brian doing the best he could in there with Roosh to have a, a decent wrestling match that you knew what the outcome was. And I don't think anybody was really invested in or cared until Max came out in that awesome old man tracksuit. And I want that old man tracksuit. Uh, but he track came out before the match started. We came out to do commentary, but he attacked him after the match. Yo, that crowd was fire for this match. I don't think people give enough credit to Rock's tracksuit, and that's like one of the things that got him over in the beginning. But I digress. For sure, and Tony Sopranos. And Tony Sopranos. Oh no, this was that was less Tony than Paulie. Yeah, Paulie. Yeah. And QTs. A lot of great. No, no one can touch that. Well, that's true. And he had a track God. record. Any other thoughts on this first hour, gentlemen, before we go to the second one? Well, I mean, imagine how great that promo would have been. Scott, the MJF one, I'm sorry. If it was just QT <laughs> doing it. Um, no, there, there was a botch at the end of the, the bunny and hater match that was like brutal. And then they went straight to the finish, which feels like that's the finish of every women's match is botch, then the finish. Um, yeah. That was really bad. And then for the Ricky Starks thing, I, I wrote in my notes, because uh, I guess there's three matches in this technically. I wrote, crap, crap, crap. I really hated this, man. This sucked. I mean, it's, it's tough, man. It's also this... tough women's matches. You know, Jamie Hader, I think, is a really good wrestler. I mean, Bailey and Becky, not to compare those two matches, but they had like a fucking barn burner on Raw, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it was just, and, and the thing about Bailey is like, Okay, whether you dislike or like the Bailey character, I, I like it for the most part. Um, and I think Scott, you said this like sh she paces the match, like almost like Seth Rollins, like the way she paces a match and slows your opponents down to make them look as good as possible. Do they have? Well, that's how she has to fuck Seth Rollins. <laughs> Do they have anybody in in? The women's division, AEW, who are, who's able to do that in the ring? I mean, I know that no. there's some good promos, but I don't know if there's anybody like that. They they don't have like the Bailey who can like just slow the match down and fucking tell the story. I mean, they have lots of women who are able to slow the show down. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was dude. Uh, Cargill had a match like two weeks ago that I liked. That I feel like I didn't say I liked, but it I was the best it. one of her match. I remember that match. That was the best match she's had. Yeah, it was good stuff. I'm I'm always rooting for her. Good, but good. um. Yeah, man, that the Jericho Appreciation Society stuff is bad, and the Danielson stuff. I mean, if we are talking that, are we talking uh, the yeah, Rush sure. match? Uh, I loved that. I just thought Aubrey should have got closer to ten before he got in the ring. Yeah, they took away the drama from that moment. Yeah, like, she's she counting, and then she 10. was kind of like, "Fuck you." I don't even mind him breaking the door down like immediately because it it makes sense. They're like, "Why would you break the door down if you're just locked in?" You'd go like, "Well, the match isn't going to start, so you're ha just hanging out while it's locked." And then she starts counting, and he breaks it immediately, and Takeshita helps him. And I'm like, "I like that," but yeah, she's at like fucking seven and a half, and he gets to the ring. It's like, lady, you should have counted quicker. But I thought MJF was very funny on commentary dealing with how slow she counted and shit. But yeah, I love this match. I was, I was really crazy about it, and this is the first time I was into a Roosh match in AEW, so. 
When was the last time Roosh had a match on TV, though? Other than, like, you know, a few, I guess, like, trios and whatnot. Um, he's got some Rampage stuff. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of Rampage work. The show we watch. <laughs> um, I, I did SmackDown, not Rampage, review this last week. I'm no better. Uh, all right, hour two, we have Impractical Jokers cutting a promo. <laughs> Come on, man. Joker segment. A trio's title match. I guess Will Sasso was unavailable. I did not see it. Uh, Sal Volcano, friend of the show. Um, I actually don't know if that's true or not, but um, I, I did. I, I, I didn't see it. But trio's title match that was was very good. Top flight versus versus the elite. Uh, a hook package, a random hook package, and our main event: the acclaimed versus the Gun Club, with new tag team champions. The Gun Club, which I I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed the story, and um, you know, clearly Gun Club are not going to be long term champions, but it's a nice new layer. And you know, would I have waited a little longer? Probably, but um, you know, those guys have have worked their asses off. So that was part of me was just glad to see them get the opportunity that they got. Mike, what did you think of the second hour? Would you call them work their ass off, boys? Work their ass off. Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> I I thought, you know, the 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 Roosh and Daniel Bryan thing was well told. I just yeah, this is another gauntlet type thing that it's uh, the overkill of it. But the execution, I mean, the work from both guys was really well done. It felt like they were trying to go for like a Cody Seth thing. But it's just, yeah, Roosh is not a guy on TV enough for me to care about him. And, and so when I already know what the – like, they did a good job of making you think he could win, but you just know he's not going to. And you know that this match has to happen on pay-per-view. So, so um, but I thought it was well done. Uh, the trio stuff, I just, yeah, I don't care about. I, I really do think you could be using Kenny as a singles – to really help. Great, I thought it was a really good match, though. But. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny. Like, AR Fox feels like a creator wrestler. Yeah. It's just like you had these two brothers who have tagged like five times because one keeps getting hurt. Now they're actually both healthy and they just add another guy, like, who has no personality. Um, no, but I, I, I like AR Fox and, and Top Flight. Just call them Fox and Flight or something though. Like give them. I liked. I love that they had matching outfits. I hate when guys like uh, form a group and there's not like a synchronicity. Oh, in Star Fox. The, call in, him Star yes, Fox. Yes, thank you. I was waiting for there you to say go. that. And, and, yeah. and, and okay, speaking of someone Fox like Star just, Fox, Air Fox just sounds like something someone used to shoot up a Walmart. Jesus uh, this guy hates America. Well, come on, man. At this point, that's this like is the Bret Hart episode, okay? so it's like okay. Shootings or move the fuck out of here. That's what Dan says to me all the time in text messages. I tell you about hearing our private conversation. <laughs> no, but I, I, I thought I thought that was decent, and then I thought that yeah, I didn't mention the gauntlet stuff, but yeah, oof, it, it's just, it's just bad, and, and it's like. Were we supposed to be surprised? Like, who's that pudgy teenager in the mask? Oh, wait, it's Chris Jericho. <laughs> like, even when he's fit, he feels fat now. He's a 50-year-old of his guy ego. trying to be a luchador, you know? It's like... Yeah, and which is like a thing he did in the 90s, right? And, like, it's just trying to... Yeah. Because so, so, you, don't, you don't think... Well, to the plug thing about Jericho... Patreon, 
Um, no Way Out has a secret gem of a match, which is Benoit, Eddie, and and Jer- Jericho and Sean Waltman and X Pac in a four way. And these guys, it's just like the fastest paced fucking match. These guys are just like everything. Everything is perfect. And then you watch this Jericho and you're like, oh, well, age is a thing. Age is definitely a thing. Also, Jericho, you know, is known for reinventing himself. And I feel like we've had the same guy for way too fucking long. He really just needs to be off TV for a few months. Um, And yeah, the main event, like, yeah, I would not have. I, I felt like they only did this to make a rematch feel like more, but. I don't know, man. There, there was a moment in this company where title changes really felt like they meant something, and I think it was when they started doing like the, the TNT title and changing it as much as they did, you know. And they changed it last week, and they, it just this just didn't. Really you have to have a title that changes more than your world title. I mean, sure, but you know, let that be the TNT. But if the world title, I, I, I only like seeing the world title change once every like year and a half, and I'm probably wrong on that. It should be like maybe twice a year. I'd say uh, once a year is split the difference. Sure, once or twice. Yeah, but they, I mean, they really only have the world TNT, title and the TNT title. It's not like they have a mid Atlantic yeah, title. Yeah, TNT should be three, <laughs> three times a year max. Man, I don't give a shit. And tag three as well, max. Yeah, and and you know, yeah, they don't have a Mid Atlantic title. They don't do Ring of Honor matches. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's been really since September. Simple. They've had the titles since September, right? Yeah, I couldn't. Well, tell it's you. well. Uh, all right, so the the top flight AR. I mean, if I'll do the hour, right? Obviously, I love this match. I love, I love, you know, Omega and the Bucks, and and I do flippity, like uh, flippity dippity doo <laughs> Mike, this is how you got to see it. All right, so like, do you like uh, Super Mario Brothers? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you like playing Mario as Mario, right? And you go, Kenny Omega is the best as Super Kenny Omega Bros, let's say, right? Well, in trios mass- matches, it's like if he was uh, if Super Smash Brothers. It's just a different game. It's the same dope character. You just get to do new fun things with him. Oh, my God, he's in a race car this time, Got, it, got having to dodge uh, turtle shells. What's so Robert doing here? The way why did he throw Luigi, his shell at me? Like, you they know, all wrestle the way fun. that Luigi jumps. <laughs> In Super Mario 2, which when you find out isn't actually a Mario game, was a game called Doki Doki Panic. Oh, yeah, I know about feel this. like it should be a part of the actual Mario universe. That's how these matches feel. The only thing oh, that I can no. know this is an absolute blast. It, it 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 reminds you of the variety of wrestling. It's what it's what I love about Dynamite so much is when you turn it on, it feels like I don't know what the world of wrestling was, but in my idea, I go like World of Wrestling, and it's like a cool variety show where you get to see all types of great wrestling. And trios matches always have this like different fun vibe, and that's where you got to put your brain. And occasionally they'll get serious, and that's awesome too. I mean, you know, they're killing themselves during this. We match. do hope these, these matches are uh, like a vegan restaurant, Scott. No stakes. We, we hope. I mean, you and me talk about this, and I mean, the internet talks about this. Is that? You know the 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 feud everyone wants to see in AEW is a trios feud. It's FTR and Punk versus versus the Elite, and that would immediately become a serious feud. And it would be insane. But obviously, I'd like a House of Black feud. I would like a feud at all, and not just matches. I think yes, the trios division needs a fucking feud, um, and not just oh we walk past each other backstage, which I enjoy enough. Fine, I get it. We could just randomly throw together competitive matches, but let's have a fucking blood feud. It's fun. Feuds are fun. Let's chase each other in cars. 
anyway, um, what else happened? I feel in like this the hour? only comparison you can make to AEW and Super Mario is that Tony for sure has made an escort dress up like Princess Toadstool. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, without a doubt. All right, Robert, you've been patiently uh, biding your time. You, you remember that that time in Mario where he was like, "Me and the uh, princess, we were driving and we hydroplaned. Wait, and <laughs> oh passed out, and I put her in the driver's seat." <laughs> so that's how I imagine Shad sounds. <laughs> um, Just because of the mustache. Yes, Robert. It's... What did you think of the second hour? Were you excited about the new uh, Young Guns? Is uh, the I mean, this look, this. This Impractical Jokers Chris Jericho feud is fantastic. I'm very excited about it. Uh, it is the kind of corporate synergy that they, sh- they should be doing with they the should. other I mean, dude, shows. The Joker show is the only show that gets ratings. Uh, but uh, you shouldn't be doing it with Chris Jericho, who was just in a segment being an asshole, where it's like, I want to see Ricky Starks get his hands on him, not him have a wacky adventure with the Impractical Jokers guys. It's like, on the show, so they're trying to do the cross-branding. Right, but what would have been more fun is if it was them and Eddie Kingston, and he pulls like a switchblade on him, like, you fucking with me? <laughs> that would be... <laughs> well, Ken... Eddie's in his own promotion right now, and it's called Twitter.com. I just was... <laughs> I, I'll get to that later, but I just saw what he's tweeted over the last like hour or so. Uh, Eddie Kingston is... Uh, it sucks because you want to see him and MJF, but now the more he exposes himself on Twitter, you're like, well, I get why you're not working now, bud. Uh, no, this is just him being a heel at the moment, right? He's going to kill all of our favorite people. I thought it was fun. Is he saying more today? Fingers he's around yeah, MJF, though. Like, he's, he's going, going after, after MJF today. He's like, I got real Katie Vick vibes. So apparently he's the guy on Twitter that's been talking about it. I love uh, how you guys are like, I hate Eddie Kingston. His views on Twitter are unbearable. And then it's just all your opinions on the MJF feud. <laughs> so, Dude, Super point- Mario Kart is trending right now. Look at that, just because we were talking about it. They know. Top Flight and AR Fox and the Elite was a fine way to fill time. At no point did any of the six of them talk about their high school girlfriends. Uh, there was that weird Stokely Hathaway promo with Hook, which I don't know. Uh, Gun Club and Acclaimed was fine. I, they like overhyped the fact that you thought it was going to be Billy Gunn turning on the Acclaimed, and then it wasn't. Uh, the only conceivable reason I'm, I would think that they're doing this is that FTR are going to come back and beat the Gun Club for these titles since they were feuding with the Gun Club. Uh, I have no, I, I don't know. I mean, it was it was a weird kind of flat finish for the uh, for the show. It did feel a little anticlimactic. Um, but uh, maybe you should have gone off the show with with Danielson and Roosh and end with uh, Max bloodying up Brian. That would have been a little bit more impactful than the Gun Club win the tag titles and the acclaimed were just kind of standing there until they remember to hit their music, which was a weird production fuck up. Uh, but uh, well, I don't think they should have hit their music at all, right? They, they, they lost. there was because yeah. there was just silence, like it was yeah, just this yeah. awkward silence, and then somebody's like, "I guess play their music." Um, but uh, yeah, it was there was nothing technically wrong with most of the with the wrestling you got in the second hour. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It was kind of neither here nor there. Like you could have read the results and and got the same vibe. Robert, do do you do you see anything coming from this? Like, do you think like Dan said, it is so the acclaimed get a win back, or is it to maybe have FTR come back and then that's a way for them to you know. That's what I said. I think I think F, this is a way for FTR to win the tag titles, yeah. and then you can get to FTR and the Bucks. And, and it maybe would be like, so great though if they were able to win the tag titles and then 
have a bunch of other titles from every promotion so we know they're the best that would be really cool <laughs> yeah. uh but then at some point you'd have to have them lose all those titles and it would make them seem less special but that's not like something i would have said a year ago uh or anything and they're look i can't like i think we can all agree uh like ftr and the usos is going to be a fucking blast in about three months time they're gonna have to put the titles back on the usos then they're gonna lose to Owens and Sam. You can still have them wrestle without the uh, the tag title, dude. FTR and the fucking Viking Raiders will be fun. It'll be great. Oh, I don't know. Let's not go crazy, Robert. This is hey, the wherever Viking, they go. I think, overcorrect, I think they're like be FTR can. Oh, FTR Viking can, Raiders now they're the top work rate tag team out of nowhere. I was being ironic then. I just picked <laughs> a tag team because if you name the tag teams that are still in AEW, you've got the Gun Club and the Acclaimed and Top Flight. And Mogul Enterprises. And, yeah, Mo- Mogul Enterprises. Yes, sorry. Ethan Page and Matt Hardy. The and then Jungle Club Boy, I who's no to. longer in a tag team. Whenever I go to the gun club, we all shoot our AR Foxes. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes, like, every time, every once in a while with a mic joke, it really is the end of that scene elsewhere of an autistic guy in a snow globe. Like, you know that it was just in his head for a while, and he's yeah. just kind of like... He's like, hey, I think like no, I, club, put them together. I get it. I had this weird hallucination that there was a dude who used to dress like a dinosaur who was on TV as a monster heel. Uh, and then he just I, apparently I imagine it because he hasn't been on television in like six Wait, months. No, you don't know what happened. I don't know if it's not why he's back. I know he's super injury prone, so he might be injured. But Luchasaurus, some company is suing them for the mask. They're like, it looks too much like our dinosaur mask. <laughs> yeah, they're in litigation. Orton just had that with a tattoo. Well, the yeah, tattoo yeah. was different because, like, that was designed by a tattoo artist, and then they used it in a video game. They're like, "You should have paid us for that." Um, I didn't know about the the mask thing, but give him a different mask. He's a heel now. Yeah, yeah, make it a different dinosaur. I miss Christian. It's pretty much the end of it. I want to see him back with his turtlenecks. Uh, the ending was lackluster. Like to Dan's point, I don't mind the storyline of them winning. Um, but to Robert's point, I think it just came off a little shit. Like you, if they're gonna win the titles in a heelish way and hit their own father with a belt, it should feel like more things are actually happening inside of me. (laughs) And it just felt kind of lame, lackluster. Well, we've kind of seen them go back and forth. We already saw a match with him and their dad. So it's like. It's a it's it's kind of like a little yeah. the law of diminishing returns there. But let's get the high spot, low spot, my high spot, which I guess we'll just use this to transition to talking about Raw. But obviously, Cody and Heyman, I thought Monday Night Raw in general, like and and and, and like Dynamite, there were matches I skipped 100 percent because I, I just cannot watch that much wrestling. Um, but I did think that everything in the show got me excited about the future which, um, God, I cannot remember the last time a Raw has done that. I mean, like, you know, when I look back, you know, like even to the point of like we're now where Raw is, you know, because we, we all have amazing things to say about the Cody. Um, we we all think about the – we all have things to say about the Cody and, and Heyman thing, about how great that was. But I think one of the most impressive things about Raw this past Monday was they just fucking ended the Corbin-JBL storyline – and I don't think they're going to do anything. It was like, it was just Triple H being like, no, this is stupid, but we've got to end this. So they definitively ended it. And now they're moving on. And uh, 
you know, that felt nice of going like, okay, well, you know, like, I guess because Hunter's whole run has been very weird in the sense that like the people that were already there have benefited a lot like Gunther and Seamus and Dom. And then the new guys that he's brought in, you know, there's been a lot of bombing, you know, like Bray, it's been hit or miss. And obviously cross has been a bomb and Gargano and and Gargano has been a bomb. And uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Hit row has been a bomb. He's had a couple real bombs that have come back, but he's, you know, if I can ready to start a rehab, he's better at rehabbing. I think than bombs. And the good thing is, is that he, like, if this doesn't work, Hunter's not going to push it. Like, you know, if it was Vince's idea, he's like, fuck you. I'm going to push it until it works. And, uh, and I think Hunter's just like, if it doesn't work, man, cut bait. But you know, my high spot was, was Monday night raw. Um, do you guys have any raw thoughts? Um, what I did see, which wasn't a lot, but what I did see was some of the best uh, wrestling has to offer. That Cody Heyman shit was the best. I loved it so much. And uh, I, I want to see Cody Rhodes beat Roman Reigns. That's crazy. Uh, I didn't know I wanted that. But I think it's an awesome story. I texted you guys. It feels like Star Wars, you know? And there's so many people online having these fake arguments where it's like, Sammy belongs in the main event. It's like, no, Sammy belongs in the main event in his hometown at Elimination Chamber, and he's going to get that, and it's going to be insane. And we're going to remember it for years to come. And he's going to lose because he's supposed to lose because that's his character in this. But... That promo on Raw was letting us know that Cody is the Luke Skywalker in this story. Uh, Sammy is our favorite. He can be Han Solo. He can be whoever the fuck we want him to be, but he's not Luke. Uh, Luke ain't my favorite, but Luke has to fight the the bad guy at the end. And so that's what's going to happen, and we're all going to fucking love it. It's it's perfect storytelling, and I, I, I was crazy about it. Props to, to both uh, gentlemen. I mean, Heyman was like unbelievable like just no but cody was phenomenal too man cody was phenomenal too but just like that's how you know roman and sammy have been great because they really haven't needed to lean on Heyman that much during this bloodline thing uh like since the sammy stuff has happened and then he did this segment and you're like fuck you can have a whole you can have two different feuds for your top guy right now you can have Heyman and cody on raw and you can have Sammy and the bloodline on SmackDown and they're both, you know, making Roman Reigns the most important guy in wrestling without a doubt. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was pretty masterful work. Mike, were you, you were able to see the segment, right? As a Heyman Mark. Yeah. Yeah. This was fantastic. I mean, yeah, I, I thought, you know, this, this is Cody at his best. Um, you know, Brandy never came out and said, who said tonight was open mic night? You walrus walking Hebrew heifer. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for that, but uh, it didn't happen. Waiting for the heifer from that act out. I was like, heifer's coming at the end of this. Oh, heifer's, heifer's always coming. Um, <laughs> no, nah, uh, it is it is funny, like, with Cody, where they're like, you know, you know, like, be yourself, but only, like, 80%. <laughs> Like, I think why the WWE version of Cody works in the AEW doesn't is that there's still a few things left on the table. Like, it's not him completely. <laughs> and it, and 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 this version of him, like, as the son of Dusty and all of that, it, it, it just works. I mean, 
the big twist in this was that Dusty got paid for a match from Heyman. So at least yeah, that now was, we know. That was the funniest thing about this promo is that like not only was Heyman able to pull up a great segment, he was somehow able to <laughs> to like like at least rehab the biggest knock against him, which is he fucks everybody over on Monday. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I man, I tell you, I thought that's where it was going. Because when he was talking about how poor they were, and my dad worked for you, and I'm like, oh shit, and oh, he paid him, and it, you know, how how Dustin got his groove back. <laughs> um, <laughs> this was this was yeah, this was peak wrestling like TV. It, it was so well done. Um, it it did serve a purpose of all right, we need people to cheer Cody and not just Sammy and. I mean, I think I've said it before. I think that this is, you know, another case. I think Heyman is the best talker in wrestling of all time. Well, I think um, of all time at this point, you have to say of all time at this point. Yeah, man, because the way that he's able to uh, make everything mean something, and then still, like, yeah, the the. You know, he did that, that right, that what I rave about that 2001 like invasion promo. Yeah. And like, this is, this is like 21 years later, and he's still like, and this is even better in a way. Like, that's what's fucking amazing oh, it's, about it. You're better, I think. It's and just... then, and then that last line, and, and I love that they just had, you know, it felt like the MJF punk thing, but I like that where they actually talk to each other off mic because that feels like a human thing to do. I, I thought it worked great it. there. I thought it worked it's great here. And I, I think when we get to end of year awards, um, this might come up because it was that good. And and I watched, you know, since you've said that as a high spot, I will put Brock and Lashley. I watched that promo. And that was just fucking fun, man. Two pieces of beef jerky just having a blast. It was so stupid and goofy, but it was like, it was exactly what it needed to be. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of the matches on this show, but some of the promos I saw and the, the Dominic yelling mommy as he got glam slammed by Beth. F this is all great. Like this, this uh, is um, the best. He's not the best heel in wrestling, but he's my favorite for sure. Yeah, this is the best this company has been in a long time and uh you know look man monday you had some great fucking promos and and wednesday you had some great fucking matches this this is a truly great time to be a wrestling fan i, I would i would uh i would second that for sure i think also the thing that made that promo so it was it was kind of like the Mark Antony um, Julius Caesar Caesar Julius Caesar speech it, where Cody you know he starts out Sammy's a great champion I can't wait to fight Sammy so he just takes that away from the crowd so now all we're caring about is the Cody and Roman of it all which mm -hmm. was uh, was really smart and I think man if you're if you're looking right now if you're MJF or if you're Jericho and you're in AEW and you're watching Cody right now just knock it out of the park. You're like, God, I need to get produced better. We need someone to produce me better. No, but I don't well, think no, not if you're Jericho that. and you're producing yourself. Well, I guess not Jericho, you're right, but MJF. It's yeah. demented, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, he's you're right. He's he's thinking that everything he's doing is the greatest ever. Um no, because the thing the thing, Dan, is that 
editing is okay. Like editing isn't the same as censorship. Having somebody you run ideas by and them saying, Oh, that's great, that's great. Maybe don't do that makes better art. <laughs> sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. Especially it's just when you act like a goddamn dictator, you know? Yeah. Well, it's also I like agree. people get like Triple H is like like he watches other TV shows. Like we forget that like guys. Vince McMahon's character pitch for Pac was Mighty Mouse because that's the last cartoon he's seen. You know what I mean? Like it, it's like we're dealing with like a whole different, a whole different set of uh, uh, of what the fucks with Vince that we don't have to deal with 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 Hunter. But um, yeah, I would say high spot raw. Um, and then my low spot this week, unless anyone has any more raw thoughts, but my low spot this week. Wait, Robert, do you have I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked. I was just letting you guys kind of go. But, yeah, yeah, uh, please, please. No, well, I think Rob, me and Robert both reviewed this raw on something yes. of sports entertainment with ten dollars tiers, so you can get our in-depth thoughts there. But Robert, but just I think that what was amazing about that promo on Raw is that it was Cody doing a version of what he was doing in AEW that wasn't working, but was working here, and more importantly, doing in general where AEW feels the need, they always have to weave in like real life and behind the scenes and all that. And it sometimes feels disjointed. And this felt like, oh, we're, we're going down a, an earnest, honest path here. And it was all like, that was where the breadcrumbs were leading you. And it was a, it was like a, watching a great magic trick more than anything else. Cause you're watching it. And you're thinking, oh, we're, we're taking this in a different direction. We're getting emotional. We're getting serious. Is this like, is this a real moment? And then they pull it back at the end. And it's just fucking masterful. And this is why when when Cody came back last year, and I'm like, no, the main event has to be Cody and Roman. It's because these are elements and beats of a story they have not been able to tell for a very, very long time. And we're, we're really getting it all here. Uh, and it was amazing. I think the other fun thing on Raw, on top of everything else, was Edge and Beth being so happy to be back on TV. But Edge, for some reason, constantly grabbing Beth's ass and then her yelling at him on camera to stop doing it is such a fun little moment uh, that, and he did it again later just to fucking piss and her usually off. Usually on wrestling when that happens, it's a real problem. Right. And <laughs> also fun that they're doing that on the night when Lita's back. And you're like, oh, this is. Well, he's probably a... overcompensating. He's yeah. Like, that's, that's I'm going to make out with Beth all night to make sure she doesn't feel like chopped liver. Yeah, so that's always uh, that's always fun. But yeah, no, Raw was a blast, and most importantly, uh, they they announced uh, JBL no longer going to be an on-screen character on Raw going forward now that he's separated from Corbin. So even better, those better poker news. segments fucking killed him dead, man. They they did like JBL poker like four weeks in a row. For those of you who don't watch Raw, and by the end of it, I mean, I mean, Robert were just texting each other like, "What the fuck is this?" Um, but yeah, it's, it's it was nice. My low spot this week. You know, I hate to, because it seems like this is the dump on AEW show, and I still love AEW, but this fucking video game, man, when is it coming out? <laughs> like, I I just, I want, I want a dumb video game that I can just unwind with, and I don't like the controls of WWE 2K as much as the old No Mercy. I want, I want a fuck off game, and right now, you know, I don't know what's, I guess now the re, the thing that's the hang up is that they want to get a teen rating and the video game powers that be want to give it an M rating. 
because there's too much blood or something. Yeah. I, I, I don't some, know. Or something. Well, no, or so some. I'm reading I'm reading right now uh-huh. online. AEW Fight Forever has received a teen rating for some suggestive content, including use of Molotov cocktails, deep cleavage, partially exposed buttocks, crotch chops, depictions of alcohol consumption, smoking, and more. What the fuck is this video game? Molotov cocktails? Who the fuck is throwing? You just, you just get cocktails? to play as Tony Khan <laughs> in what he thinks of himself. Who is who's throwing mo- did they have they ever used a Molotov cocktail in wrestling? Maybe you like oh. get to work for Shad in it, you know, and like you're part of like I don't know, government psyops or whatever the hell. If, if I had to say one of the big reasons that they're getting the M when they want the T is I bet they've been fighting also like the women bleeding thing because in WWE games blood blood is optional but the women there's never any blood and not i bet even, not like, even once a month <laughs> no damn yeah it's you know it, this game is uh, uh having the same management problems as the company there's probably a bunch of people that all want it to be different things and they can't agree they can't no, manage. We say this, but like No Mercy, which is like you know the greatest wrestling video game of all time, that was rated teen. I'm looking, and you know that would like you could just beat up Godfather's hose for an entire match. So it's not like you know that was squeaky clean. Like the hoe was a character. That's Dan St. Germain's video game corner, <laughs> eliciting as much excitement as Scott's New Japan corner. Dan, Dan making fun of me for autism and then just bombing with a fact. Yeah, well, there's, as we all know, there's plenty of ways that Dan St. Germain can bomb. But, uh, Mike, what's your high spot, low spots of the week? Um, I thought we already did this. <laughs> I, I, I... I guess, well, I, think I, guess I, I did my high spot was, but I don't think Groundhog Day again. Oh, are we doing? Oh. Are, are you just going to say the Cody Heyman thing? I this is in uh, case. Yeah, you... I mean, I guess you're watching you fail now, high spot. Um, <laughs> I would, I, I would say, yeah, that that's a uh, high high spot is yeah that that Cody Heyman stuff. The yeah low spot that that MJF promo man. They they both feel like uh very comparable in different ways of of why i like one thing and why i don't like the other and just when it when it goes bad it it, it could go bad but I, I i think you know mjf's so great like he'll be able to like you know have another great promo in a week or two um but yeah this yeah it was a it was a stinker that was my little spot God, high spot, low spot. Do you have another high spot besides the Cody Heyman thing? Oh, no. The Cody thing is definitely my high spot. Mm, low spot. I just read what Undertaker whispered in Bray Wyatt's ear. Remember, like, that was a mystery. Yeah. Everybody was like, oh, what did Taker just whisper in his ear, right? Mm-hmm. And now, uh, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> to find it for you. Because uh, even Bray, Bray was like, oh, it was very personal and I don't want to tell anybody, right? You know, um, and you go, oh, wow, that's it must have been really powerful stuff. Uh, Taker actually let everybody know. He said, I just let him know, too, that my phone's always on. And if he needs to talk to me about things or run things by me, that's cool. 
which I think is funny because I don't know. Usually you think they're saying something really sweet about passing the torch, but he's just like, call me. I'm around to hear and Dude, respond. It, I mean, I love Undertaker, but Mark, you know who Mark thinks like this, this next big star for them is, right? Mm, no. Omos. Oh, it's the guy he like talks about more than anybody else. What? I mean, yeah, he like would have had to. He would have had to wrestle him at WrestleMania. He's compared Omos. Like he's compared Omos to Andre. He said he's the new Andre. Yeah, Andre now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you. I'm just you know don't don't kill the messenger. Um. All right, Robert. Any low spots? Uh, uh the the Eddie Kingston tweet chain from i guess this would have been on uh wednesday where he was talking about you know going after the pillar like it was very behind the scenes and fiery and uncomfortable and it's not in storyline mode it's the the dude is is clearly struggling in some way and mike and i texted about this like we want to see him on tv he's an engaging character and this just kind of feels like the eddie kingston self-destruction that has been the the label of him for the last 15 years or so i hope that's not the case and and we get back to eddie on tv being productive because i still think eddie kingston as the uh, the emotional core of AEW going up against MJF is a Sami Zayn Roman Reigns I, kind I, of story. I think it's a, ba- a baffle. His heel turn this year is is so baffling to me, and that they did it on Rampage. Um, I mean, you know, like he's just a natural baby face for a heel like MJF, and I don't I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. I don't know why they turned him heel. I have no idea why they turned him heel. Who does Kingston like backstage? He likes Jericho, Ortiz, Homicide. Anybody else? Well, now he's saying fuck Penta, who used to be his friend. So, uh, don't know. Well, yikes. That's our show. That's our show. Fuck Penta and wash your hands. Wash your damn Oh, let's do some plugs. Um, My special, ladies and gentlemen, March 2nd, Brooklyn Comedy Club. Eight and ten, some really funny comics are going to be on it. Adrian Ipalucci, Anthony DeVito. Um, you know, I'm I'm producing it, putting money into it. Uh, I want it to be great. It's going to be great. Check it out, Scott. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, Out for Smokes, with Mike Racine. Uh, yeah, as well as you know, join our Patreon. This one and Out for Smokes. Uh, yeah, Patreons are great. Peace, peace. Uh, Robert. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWE Creative underscore ISH. All right. Until then, folks, wash your hands.